Strap in. You're listening to The Walt Blackman Show, the show that brings you hardcore conservative straight talk. Welcome to the No PC Zone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Walt Blackman Show, the podcast that keeps you in tune of what's going on around the world and also making sure that you are part of the No PC Zone. Everybody, okay, what I want you to do is put the kids to bed, turn on the radio, iPad, iPhone, and tune in to the Walt Blackman Show, the No PC Zone. Hey everybody, this is Walt Blackman and welcome to another edition to the No PC Zone, the Walt Blackman Show. We're going to be talking about critical race theory today. And what critical race theory is, it's an, it's an academic movement of civil rights scholars and activists in the United States who seek to critically examine the laws as it is interest in social justice, race, Mainstream liberalism and ratio theory. This is what the critical race theory boils down to. So basically it's some elitist liberal elitist who think that they should be teaching your kids about race in public schools. Now we know in, uh, Arizona, the governor, Governor Ducey, vetoed the prohibitive action to teach, to be allowed to teach critical race theory in Arizona schools. And that was vetoed. And I'm sure that's going to go back to the House and they are going to members of the House are going to uh, work to try to remove that veto. But we really need to think about why the left is pushing this type of agenda. Why the left is pushing an agenda that brainwashes our children into thinking that they are the cause and they are guilty of this type of behavior that happened hundreds of years ago. Now, the history of the critical race theory is that there's this guy, uh, Derek Bell and Patricia Williams, two elite scholars that believed that the early origins of when they were getting this nonsense together, what they wanted to do was analyze critical race and develop some sort of class or some sort of training for people that don't understand racial inequality. So here, here's the deal. This thing has been around since 1970. This isn't, this isn't new. This isn't new. Because this has been around so long, the liberal left has had a lot of time to let this thing cook in the oven. And they've had a lot of time to add certain ingredients to this. 
And as we look at what's going on today in our society, in America, when we are talking about racial issues, we see the left has a narrative that is a lot of times far from the truth. When we are talking about the black community and we are talking about the brown community and we're talking about other communities, was there racial inequality in, in, in the United States? Yes, anyone will tell you that's true. No one is denying that that existed. No one is saying, no one is saying, oh no, there was never any type of racial inequality. No one is saying that. We all understand that this country has a history of slavery and this country has a history of inequality. When we're talking about black and brown, when we're talking about giving women the right to vote, when we're talking about these types of issues, when we're talking about how Asian Americans were treated when they came over, when they were working in some of the mines, we know that that exists. We are not saying that it did not but how they are pushing this critical race theory in our classrooms, they want to continue to brainwash and indoctrinate our children because they know that if they can get to our children and they can change their mindset about the country, about equality, about so on and so forth, if they can do that, then they have a stranglehold on our future and having a stranglehold on our future by going through our children is a dangerous position to have. Now, in the early days of 1980, students of color at Harvard University, Harvard Law School, organized a protest regarding Harvard's lack of racial diversity. And in their curriculum, a lot of students thought there wasn't a lot of black American history being taught at Harvard or these kids being able to get into the school. Now, last I checked, you got into school based on your academic achievements, not because of the color of your skin. However, we know when we talk about reality, in some cases, based on some of the history that we see, some schools have had to had quotas to allow certain ethnic backgrounds into their school to make sure that they were following the law. Should we be concerned about this when we are putting people in these schools based on the color of their skin and not by their mental capacity to succeed? Aren't we setting these kids up for failure when we do that? So let's, 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 let's take a deep dive into this. So say that in, Harvard, they have a quota to get young people of color into their schools. And their quota is a quota that they have to meet every year. So they have to go get folks to get in their school. If these people that they are recruiting do not have the mental capacity to keep up with the rest of the scholars, regardless of their color or gender. If they do not have the mental capacity to keep up, we are setting that person up for failure. Now we know, and I didn't go to Harvard, but we know that Harvard is one of those schools that is very difficult to be successful 
and graduate from. And those kids that typically go to those types of Ivy League schools, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, so on and so forth, they they are mentally prepared to do that. Now, some time ago, when the fellow Obama administration was occupying the White House, they had an executive order that went out. Well, let me, let me, I stand corrected. I am, I do not know if it were an executive order. However, there was some talk that the Obama administration wanted more black pilots. No, no, more black air traffic controllers. That right there is alarming. Why in the hell would somebody hire somebody in that capacity to be an air traffic controller based solely on the color of their skin? I don't care if the person is green. As long as they know how to do that job and keep planes from crashing into each other, they got the job. But when we get to this type of critical race theory and it uh, and it's a direct attack on the legal system and we are allowing this type of language and this type of narratives to perpetuate race and increase racial tension in our country and put people in places of responsibility, increased responsibility based on the color of their skin, then we are setting not only that person up, we are setting, we are setting ourselves up for failure. Now, we need to take a look at where we want this country to be. And, the future is important to this country and the future is our children. And if we are teaching our kids a certain way that they are responsible for someone's, someone else's decisions and outcome, that they are responsible for that and that they should be ashamed for who they are because they may not happen to be black or brown when we do that, that is a direct attack on that child, the child's self-esteem, how that child was raised, their values, their principles, their morals, everything. That's a direct attack on it. But that is what the left wants to happen. They want they want people to feel like they are res- directly responsible for the outcome of somebody else's decisions or decisions that were made generations ago. Now, in some of these liberal cities that, that really embrace these ridiculous uh, theories of, of, of critical race theories and, and, and they mutate the, the real issues that are going on and they don't really deep dive into some of the issues that are going on in some of these, in some of these communities. That's we're we're looking at the, we're not even on the target. 
So let's talk about when we talk about black communities and they're talking about racial inequality in black communities or, or communities of color. When they are talking about that, let's take a deep dive about why some of the folks in these communities are in the situations that they are in. A lot of it is because there is not a father in the home. Not saying that mothers cannot raise their children and they don't do a great job doing it because they do. However, in my experience, being a parent and married to the same woman for 16 years and having my kids grow up in the same household as us, it makes a difference when there is a father in the home. Especially if that child happens to be a black American child. Now I'm not saying if a person is not black American and their father is not in the home, that they are not going to have similar issues that other kids have, because that's not true. That is not accurate at all. What I am saying based on the data that's out there, when we are talking about people of color, black Americans, if they raise, if they are grow up in homes that don't have a father figure in the home, then those kids are more than likely to have some issues. When we look at the folks that are in prison, when we look at the demographic that is incarcerated, a majority of those folks happen to be of black Americans. But when we dig down on that same data, and 70% of the children that end up in our legal system, our penal system, that are black Americans come from homes that don't have a father. That is when we as a community have to do something different. That is when black men have to be black men. We cannot continue to allow our children to grow in a system without protection. What is that protection? Education. Place to sleep. Clothes on their back. Shoes on their feet. And discipline. We can't expect our kids to do the right thing when there's not a father figure in a home, when the next best thing is a person who was selling drugs on the corner. If our kids do not have that guidance, mentorship, coaching in their home, they are going to go find it somewhere else. And believe me, ladies and gentlemen, there are lots of dangers out there and people out there that would love to take your children and teach them the ways of the world as they see it. When heroes in some communities are drug dealers, pips, and pushers, that's a problem for me. When you have black children that look at someone as an example, and that example happens to be someone who pushes and sells drugs? That's their hero? 
we're, we're blaming the wrong people for our inactions for our children when we are talking about the black community. Now, I'm not talking about, I can't speak for the white community. I can't speak for the Hispanic community. I can't speak for any other community than my own. We have the media, the liberal left, the elites that say that our children have to pick a certain type of mentor or example. Case in point, George Floyd. George Floyd, as I have said many, many times, should not have died the way he had died. However, to put him as a poster child or a poster person for young black children to emulate, what are we thinking? What are we thinking when we say this is the person we want our kids to follow as an example? And then as a black man, when I come out and say, yeah, that's not going to work for me. I'm not going to do that. I get attacked. I get attacked by the liberal left. I get attacked by the elites in the media. I get attacked by the social justice warriors. I get attacked when I stand up and say, you're trying to say that a black child has no other choice, has no other aspirations than to follow the example of someone who has been arrested over and over and over and had a drug problem. That's, that's someone you think that our children should be following. But yet I remind you, this is the same group that says it's okay to kill over 1100 black babies every day for abortion to abortion. It's incredible how the liberal left, the Democrats believe that their narrative is right for black Americans. Martin, not Martin Luther King, Malcolm X said the most dangerous, dangerous person in the world to a black person is a white liberal. Yeah. The most dangerous. And as we look at history and we look at what's going on in our country today, his words are coming to be. What we need, not only for black children, but for all our children that are coming up in this country is solid, solid mentorship, coaching, and teaching by good example not by examples that are set by people who happen to have broken the law, pushing drugs, doing whatever. Those are not examples. Those are, okay, let me correct that. Those are examples of what not to be. When, my, when I was raising my children and we saw something of that capacity or what have you, I say that's an example of what not to do. That's an example of, why you need to stay in school. That's an example of why you need to work hard. Because if you do not work hard, this is where you will turn out to be. It has nothing to do with a person's color, ladies and gentlemen. A person's, a worry person ends up in life has nothing to do with their color. Not in 2020. Kids that are growing up today, that are in our school systems today, that have 
advantages and benefits of going to some of these top schools. Harvard, Yale, Princeton. Doing great and wonderful things. It has nothing to do with your color. It has to do with how hard that child works. How hard that person works. If a person goes into business and they are lazy every day and they don't do what they need to do to have a successful business, do you think it's because of their color or it's because they have not stepped up to the challenge? If a person has a failed marriage because the person steps out and is not and not faithful to their spouse, is it because of their color? Is it because of the person has an issue with their morals? If a person goes out and robs a bank, ends up in prison, is it because of the person is black or is it because of the person broke the law? That is where we, that's what I am talking about, ladies and gentlemen. I am not talking about the artificial, superficial, cosmetic of this issues that we are seeing on the TV, in the paper, on mainstream media that says that a person of color is disadvantaged because they happen to be of a color. Now, last week, or a couple of weeks ago in the House of Representatives, I was on the floor and there was a vote that came up and they started to talk about the ERA. The left started to talk about the ERA and they were talking about how women are so disadvantaged and women this and women aren't this and they're not getting that and they're not getting that. And I took a minute and I counted every single woman in the chamber. 17, 17 of 60 members in the chamber are women in the Arizona house of representatives, 17 of 60 are women in the Senate. There is a woman president, president of the Senate. In the majority of the committees, we have women chairs in our committees. That same very day when they were talking about women do not have equal rights, I had a meeting with an Air Force general who happens to be a woman, an Air Force chief master sergeant who happens to be a woman, a program manager that happens to be a woman. In one meeting, ladies and gentlemen, in one meeting, So the narrative that women do not have equal rights is hogwash to me. The narrative that black Americans do not have equal rights is hogwash. A person future or how they turn out has a lot to do with where they came from. Has a lot to do with it. Now you hear the argument that they'll say, well, they come from broken homes and they come from the ghetto and this and that and this and that. I'll just point to Ben Carson. Ben Carson could be, could tell you, are these folks that these social justice warriors that think that, that think that people of color don't have an opportunity. His mother could not, could barely read. And she not only made him read every night, but learn to read so she could make sure that he read every single night. Ben Carson grew up in a single family home. 
His mother raised him. She did a great and wonderful job. Ben Carson was a neurosurgeon or is a neurosurgeon. He performed the first surgery on Siamese twins that were connected by the brain, by the head, and separated them, and they still survived. Are you trying to tell me that they gave him that job to be a neurosurgeon because he was black? Or did they give him that job because he had the skills to do it right? How about Barack Obama? Barack Obama grew up in a single-family home. Barack Obama was a lawyer, a Rhodes Scholar. He was the president of the Harvard Law Review. He was a state senator. He was a U.S. senator. And if you were sleeping under a rock, he was the president of the United States, and he happens to be a black American. Now, some people say, well, that's one out of so that's one out of many. Yeah, I got it. I got it. But not everybody wakes up in the morning and wants to be president. And not everybody wakes up in the morning and wants to be a road scholar. You have some folks that want to start businesses. How about the guy who started Ebony Magazine? Yeah. That guy, multimillionaire multi-millionaire, a black man, Oprah Winfrey. Hmm. How about these athletes that are making so much money in what they do? Are you saying that the only reason why they are where they're at is because of the color of their skin and we need to go back and teach critical race theory to say that all white folks are the devils and they are responsible for those folks that don't make it? That's hogwash, and it's, and it's ridiculous, and it is irresponsible. I'm Walt Blackman, and I hope you enjoyed this segment of the Walt Blackman Show. I want you to remember something that we only get out of life what we put into it. And remember, hard work wins. I'm Walt Blackman. We'll see you next week on the Walt Blackman Show. We'll do it live again, and I hope that you enjoyed it. Please enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Be safe, don't drink, and drive. And remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Strap in. You're listening to The Walt Blackman Show, the show that brings you hardcore conservative straight talk. Welcome to the No PC Zone.